It's just another podcast. Called Picking It Out. It's another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. Yeah, we got Brother David Hammonds in the house. And we're gonna be picking it out. Applause. That's the first time I've got applause for my little theme. Wait, wait. I, I would stand up, but wait, wait. I'll stand up. Oh, man. Ending ovation. How about that? <laughs> well, hey, y'all. My name's Andrew Pope. Appreciate y'all watching and listening to Picking It Out once again. And got one of my good old buddies here this week. Uh, I've known this guy, man. Let's see. Gosh, probably like over 10 years at least, right? Well, yeah, at least 10,000, 2,000 and, um, no, not 10,000. 10, <laughs> 10, <laughs> it feels, it feels like it sometimes. Close, yeah. <laughs> uh, this guy's a, he's a, he's a Grammy nominated producer. He runs, uh, Jeff Cook's sound studio pretty much in Fort Payne, Alabama. And he's been around, well, he ain't been around that long. I mean, I don't want to make you sound old, but, you know, try to give you a little bit of, like a nod, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, without, I'm the, well preserved for my years. There's like a line I'm trying to walk here. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. David Hammonds. How's it going, man? Howdy. Man, I'm doing great. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. This is the first time I've, like, seen you. I guess if we're, I mean, this counts, don't it, as seeing somebody? I think so. Yeah, in this era that we live in, COVID, if you can uh, video chat with somebody, you've seen them. And at least you, we don't have to wear a mask, right? No. No mask yeah. on picking it out. Yeah, we're farther than six feet. Yeah, we're 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 way farther than that. <laughs> oh, man, that, that looking at that background, I mean, you know, some people probably know. But a lot of people don't. Most people probably don't because they've never been there. But me and you, man, we have spent some time in that little room right there, haven't we? We've had a lot of fun here. Uh, I look back at your album that we did here, and I consider that one of my best projects that I've ever worked on. Oh, man. Seriously, it was, it was number one. It was it was way too much fun. Yeah. We had some great musicians. You're a great songwriter. And so it was just like, it was, it was a breeze and you have a lot of great production ideas and, you know, I may get credit for some of that, uh, but it, it comes from the artists really a lot of it, but that was a really good project, man. I had fun. I mean, we were there, God, we were there so much. We, there's no telling how many hours we put into that thing. Uh, yeah. we, we worked pretty good together. I learned a lot from you. As far as the engineering, man, that was damn, that was loud. <laughs> my wife, just, sorry, my wife just sent me a text. <laughs> that sounded like a damn dog whistle ding or something. 
Man. I'll see if I can keep that out of there. No, that's fine. Uh, anyway, now my ear's ringing. Uh, so, yeah, we had a lot of fun. I mean, we we tracked the whole thing there. For, for y'all that don't know what we're talking about, my first record, Here We Go, that in 20, what, 2011, 2012? Something like that. We recorded all live at Cook Sound in Fort Payne, Alabama. And that, that's one of the ways I love to record because you just, you just get so much from the musicians that are there uh, and they're feeding off each other. Mm-hmm. And if we set them up in a circle here, as you well know, the room is pretty much built that way. You, everybody has a, a line of sight with everybody else. And, you know, if, if you're playing in a band or if you're in a group of musicians, how, how much you can feed off that other guy. Yeah. And it was just the energy level on that record. You can feel the energy level on that record is really good. Didn't we use a trash can for a bass drum or something? I think we did. Um, and then you added some kind of kind of an effect to it. I can't remember, but yeah, I'm sure we did. I always try to throw a little trash in there from from time to time. <laughs> see what you can, see can what or you not. <laughs> uh was it I think you was telling me about um was it was it Keith Richards or Mick Jagger, one of them that did something on Yeah, I don't remember exactly which record it was, but it's one of their hit singles. Honky Tonk Woman. Um, I think Keith uh played the guitar riff or the intro or something on a cassette player. Oh yeah. Uh and in, in his hotel room, I believe is the way the story goes. And they could not reproduce that in the studio. So they, they ran the tape recorder into the system and tracked it, uh, that way. So they did the the whole song off of his original riff song idea that he had, uh, at the hotel room. I believe that's how it goes. Anyway, it's Googleable. You guys out there can Google that one. Googleable. Googleable. That's a, a new, that's a Dave word. <laughs> You've got a few that you've come up with that I've used. I've borrowed. Those all come from my dad. God bless yeah. him. He recently passed away and uh great guy, 98 year old World War II veteran and mentor and my hero and uh, just a super guy. But I, th- th- all those one-liners like that and those little sayings, that, I, that comes from my dad. I hated to hear that. Of course, I already knew about that. Um, I really hated to hear that. I know y'all was close and he was your hero but you know you had him a long time and what a blessing that is in itself you know absolutely uh we let's see who did we we had i had billy earhart come there and play keys on billy he played uh keyboard on that record um let's see jeff played a lead ride jeff cook jeff who Uh, oh Jeffrey and I make I may call him Cookie during the process because that's what I always refer. If you hear me say Cookie, it's it's Jeff Cook. Uh, but Jeff played uh, the the lead ride thing on uh, Green River and sang opposite of you on Green River, right? And that was really kind of a cool swampy version. It was of Green River that I've I've never heard anybody do one quite like it. It was very cool. It was cool, 
And it was cool that we got to do that because I th- believe it was Alabama's first record that they did Green River on and Jeff sang it. First or I, second? I know, I know that that's, uh, I know he sang the lead on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if that was their first out the gate or not. Well, uh, you've known him a long time, ain't you? Oh, oh well, I met Jeff. I got to tell you the story. Let's hear it. And he, he's not going to mind me telling it, I'm sure, because this is freaking hilarious. So this was pro- this was probably back in, um, let me get the date right, 1980. Mm. And I was playing in a band called Wildwood, like Wildwood Flower, but we left the flower off the end of it. So Good I'm playing choice. in this band, and my bass player is a very well-known mechanic in the area, uh, Rick Dobbs. And he had this 1962 Chevy that would absolutely fly. Mm. He had aircraft landing lights on it when it was on bright. I mean, you could get on the interstate and just see forever. <laughs> so <laughs> we're out riding around one night, and we pull up to a convenience store, and there's a, well, the red light, and there's a convenience store to your left there. And we had our windows down. It's in the summer, you know, and we hear somebody holler. And this guy comes running across and just gets right in the window and was talking to Rick. He said, said, hey, Rick, said, man, I need to get you to do me a favor. And Rick said, what's that? He said, do me a favor and give me about a 30-minute head start and go down to my house and put my wife's plug wires back on for her. (laughs) (laughs) Then he reached in the window and he said, Hey, my name's Jeff Cook. Who are you? <laughs> so what had happened is they got into a big old fuss and he went out there and jerked the plug wires off the car so that, so he could get out of there without her chasing him down. <laughs> so, we won't call right. any names, but Jeff was definitely involved in that. One. that but that's how we met. And uh, then he would show up. Um, we'd be playing somewhere. Uh, and he would be off, you know, playing in front of thousands and thousands of people. And if he's on the bus and he's coming back through the town we're playing in, well, the bus just rolls up and Jeff gets his guitar and his rig out and comes in. He'll sit in and play with us, you know, 30 or 40 minutes. And that's just how he was and still is. He would uh, he would just as soon play in, in a club with about 20 people in it as he had just to play as he had to play out, you know, in front of 20 or 30 thousand or more sure. people and he's just been a, a great friend of me so we met in 1980 <clears throat> my band fronted for those guys uh, a number of times and others and we our band toured uh, the u.s and canada we really didn't have a deal record deal or anything we got approached a couple of times and but alabama has been a big part of our history and uh, my history and i've been able to work with all those guys and and just a great a group of guys, Randy, Teddy, and Jeff, and Mark. Uh, I've enjoyed working with all of them. And just here recently, uh, Randy and Jeff and Teddy have done some work out at Cook Sound, I heard about. Yeah, we did. Uh, that was the Christmas project uh, single of Christmas and Dixie that a, band, a group called Home Free, uh, they did a remake on it. And uh, – I, I kind of got to be a part of that. I really, the, they brought their own engineer guy out here. And I guess my, my job was to hang out and 
make coffee and stuff like that. <laughs> that sounds so familiar. And you do, think, by the way. I think they I think they gave me a credit on the album. I'm not sure exactly what I got credited for, but I, I heard that I'm on there. You do make some of the best coffee, and you don't give your secret away. I've been trying right. to get that crap for over 10 years now. Not going to happen. You just have to come back and watch me make it. I mean, he brings it in a Ziploc bag. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i know so i mean so what happens happens before i get here yeah right <laughs> but as long as you keep making it that's all that matters yeah and it's free too there's no charge for the coffee that's right man we've we've, we've drank quite a bit of coffee up there <laughs> yeah i didn't make any money but i you know i drank a lot of coffee maybe you ought to <laughs> maybe you ought to package that stuff and sell it whatever you're doing to it man <laughs> No, that's how Cookie and I met, and uh, the the group Home Free. Uh, they came and did Christmas and Dixie, and if if you haven't heard those guys, Home Free, they uh, won that show, the Sing Off. I think it was, I can't remember the year, a few years back, but you know, type in on, in YouTube Home Free and just go through and watch their videos. They're just incredible group of vocalists. They're kind of like that pentatonics, correct? Kind of thing, ain't they? Like acapella yeah. with a beatbox with a percuss- percussion yeah. uh, with their voices, basically. Correct. Um, no, I mean they're they're just incredible what they can do with that. They're really really good, and yeah, it was fun. It was. Um, uh, there's also a, uh, a video on of the making of that, yeah. and about halfway through it, uh, Randy and I. Have you seen that? Have, I you, did looked, say. have you seen that video? Yeah. Talk Randy about and I were talking and, uh, about the tractor. And I don't remember exactly how we got started on it, but uh, anyway, it's kind of funny. You should go, if you have, if your listeners haven't seen it or listened to it, they should look up Home Free and the making of uh, Christmas in Dixie with Alabama. It's, it's a lot of fun. Do you remember when? Of course, they, make, they make fun of the way we talk. You know, that's okay. <laughs> You make fun of the way they talk. <laughs> or as Randy would say, I'll speak my Southern English as natural as, as I, I please. please. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the year it was, but it was, uh, I think it was after we did that album there at Cook Sound during the week of the first or second week of June, they did the songwriter showcase. Yeah. Uh, it was at the uh, one of the auditoriums there in town, Fort Payne, and I was backstage. I had never met Randy, and I was backstage, and we had a big group of people back there, and they had invited some hit writers out to do mm-hmm. that, and it all the money benefited the uh, Boys and Girls Ranch, I think. Uh, right, John Cole. Yeah, it was all geared to uh, some type of uh, charity yeah yeah well as we're taking this picture i never met him as we're taking this picture he's behind me and he's got a uh was it a i think it was a heineken like a a bottle and he's trying to hide it behind my <laughs> arm and he grabs my arm like right here in a weird spot and starts pushing on that nerve and he's 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 right in my ear and i i hear whisper to me softly he's right in my ear 
as we're taking that picture. <laughs> that was my introduction. And then I, I, I turned around and I said, man, I, I kind of like it in my ear like that. And a little, <laughs> a little trickle of a whisker in there too. And he said, yeah. he said, yeah, my mama always said I had a strong grip. Now, now who are you? <laughs> right, right, that's right, how it went. Right. But he ended up introducing me to Frank on, Myers that night. I'll tell you a story on uh, Randy too. Uh, we uh, years ago, when they were doing the uh, forty-one number one, the you know the forty-one songs that went to number one. It's like a double album. Mm-hmm. Well, they put three singles on there, and um, I was not here at the time, and they were doing the demo out here for those three singles that they were going to put on there, the new songs and the engineer got sick or something. They called me at the last second and uh, I came out here to help them finish the engineer because or the engineering on it, because RCA had to have those three songs the very next morning Mm. so that they could hear if they wanted to do them or not. So these were just the, these weren't the album cuts, but these were the demos for that. Right. So Randy was doing, um, the song five o'clock 500 which is on that 41 hit uh record <clears throat> and th- this kind of give you an idea of, of how randy rolls and they're very true to their roots uh from being from the south especially this album album or this area so we're we're working on the the vocals for that randy finishes his up and so the way he said 500 he didn't say it 500 it was 500 mm. and he told everybody said now when y'all put y'all's background vocals on that he said make sure that you say 500 yeah. not 500 500 make sure you do it that way so he was you know he's true to his roots here and uh they're very interesting to work with in the studio teddy um stands about six feet away from a microphone when he's singing it and he'll just kind of run past it Mm-hmm. and and sing and it's uh he's different he works a long way away from a microphone six feet is probably an exaggeration but he he works a good ways back from a microphone um i, I kind of describe it like this uh teddy is kind of the glue that holds everything together he is the ear for that those guys uh randy singing a vocal uh one day in here and Teddy said, no, stay off of that note. That's going to be mine and the harmony part. And you go just under that or mm. something like that. So Teddy's hearing these parts, wow. the way he's going to sing his parts before they go down and he's directing and, and producing what they're doing. So of course you got T- Teddy's the ear, uh, Randy's the face and the, the vocal Randy's, I swear his vocal now is just as good as it was back in 1981. Oh Yeah. And it's just incredible. Uh, Jeff, he's the musician of the group, yeah. uh, no doubt. Uh, I've been working on archiving uh, a lot of their old um, tapes that are that we have here at the studio, and I've got uh, probably, oh my gosh, we've got probably sixty multi-track tapes here uh, with some songs that have never been released on them. I don't know what they're planning on doing with it, but they're going to, they're archived. Uh, I know I've got enough that we're working on Jeff, uh, a release 
uh, we've got enough stuff on him that's never been released for him to uh, do an album or two good. off that. Some really good stuff too. Some really good pickers on those, and a lot of them were recorded in uh, Nashville. Some recorded here, um, but it's really good, really good stuff. Uh, I found the original uh, demo to feel so right mm. that was done in the mid seventies before they had a deal, a record deal uh, before. And it's completely not completely different from the single, but the way that the, that Harold shed did it when he got a hold of it, I think he was the one that was producing that album. Um, the way that, that they did that was completely just that it, having that producer guy, take that song to the next level. I mean, it's a great, it's a great song anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it had a steel guitar in it. Wow. And I don't know if your listeners may know this, but there's no Alabama song ever released or on a record that had a steel guitar in it. They what? were a country band and there's no steel guitars in anything. Jeff has that way of bending strings. that makes it sound like a steel uh, but to my knowledge, and I think they'll tell you that too, there's no steel guitar in anything yeah. that they've ever done. I wonder why that is. I don't know. I, I think uh, Jeff has a story behind that, but I don't know that I can share that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we're, we're picking an ad on here. I mean, you can talk about it. You you'll have to get with him on that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, those, those guys are great. They've been really good to me um, in you know, I can't thank Jeff Cook enough for the the freedom that he's given me to float in and out of this place and, and pretty much do whatever I wanted to do. And uh, I can't thank him enough, really. And Cookie, he's the man. He is, man. I, and, you know, you introduced uh, me to him years ago, too, and I appreciate you for doing that because we've got a yeah, friendship. He came out and played at your release party. He did. He did, and I lost the damn video to that. I had it on a DVD. Well, I think I texted you one day and asked you had asked if you had a copy of it. Uh, If it it could be here somewhere, we have so many tapes here. We would just have to stumble across it at some point. I hope it stumbled across. (laughs) I do too, because I'd like to have that. Yeah, it. it, I would too. I, I normally keep up with all my little stuff like that i don't know if between moving around and stuff i don't know what happened but you know uh it's it's allowed you the opportunity working there um to meet a lot of other people be involved in a lot of really cool projects and uh kind of you know be a engineer like a serious engineer not just yeah you know well, I had my first studio at home and uh, I got involved in, in music that way. I actually, I got involved in music. I'm a guitar player, uh, but by, by nature of the way things go, I had to be a drummer on the road. So I, I've had more experience playing drums. Uh, but so I'm pretty much self taught on the engineering side of everything. But working here uh, has given me a lot of opportunities. I met Norman Blake uh, mm. here. Uh, I mean, the stories I've got on Norman are priceless. Yeah. Uh, I've done, Norman likes to keep up with it because I can't keep up with it, but he'll tell me, you know how many songs you've recorded on me, Dave? And I said, 
no, Norman, I do not. He said, like, it was somewhere around 150. Wow. At one time. It's more than that now, I believe. Uh, but I'll tell you a story on Norman. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who do not know who Norman is, Norman is in his uh, 70s. He started out uh, just in a little minstrel group years ago. And he lives in Rising Fawn, Georgia. And he told me, he said, when I was a kid, I used to walk out to those train tracks out there. And he said, I would look at those the trains coming by. And he said, man, I can't wait to get on one of these trains and get out of here. And then he said, for the rest of my career, he said, I spent looking at trains going by and thinking, man, I can't wait to hop on one of them and get back home. You know, so he's it's, it's bittersweet, a lot of this uh, musician stuff. But Norman started out uh, with Johnny Cash, uh, which is when he got his big break uh, and was in Cash's band for like, I think, 20 years. Uh, played on Bob Dylan's Nashville Skyline. He's Norman is considered one of the top five or so flat pickers in the world. Without a doubt. He's just incredible. Uh, so the way I met Norman, I got a call from Peter Ostrusko, uh, and you have to look up that name. Uh, Peter is a phenomenal musician, a violinist, um, mandolinist. He's played with Dylan also and just Joan Baez, um, many different people in the folk uh, industry. Um, John Hartford, he's played with all those guys. So anyway, uh, Peter called one day and left a message and I didn't know who he was. And he said, I, I need to come through there and record a few songs. I'm going to bring a couple of people with me. And I called him back and I said, well, who are you bringing? He said, Norman and Nancy Blake. Well, I knew who they were. And so I was totally excited to, to get to track Norman. So Norman is notoriously early to show up for a recording session. He just, that's just the way he rolls. So, um, Norman, Norman, I'm, I'm here by my, it's on a Saturday. I'm here by myself. I've got the front, you know, the door here propped open. So anybody that wants to can just walk in and you know how it is around here. It's pretty, uh, pretty off the beaten path. And so yeah. just nobody actually knows it's here. Yeah. <clears throat> so I hear the door creaking open and I hear somebody say, hello. And I said, come on in. And I said, leave your gun at the door. And he, <laughs> he walks in and he looks around and he said, he said, how, how long has this place been here? And I said, well, since the early 80s. This was, I think, um, like 2009 or something when I first started recording Norman. And he said, well, damn. He said, I wish I'd have known it. He said, I've been coming here all this time instead of driving all the way to Nashville. Mm. And I said, damn, I wish you'd have known it. I'd have known it too. Wished you'd have known it so that you could have been here. Cause I'd have got, you know, I'd have been like 400 songs by now. Yeah. Uh, but this, he is just, we've become friends over the years and, and I'll go by his house and see him when I'm in the area. And, and, uh, he is just phenomenal, but his stories, we would do two or three, you know, cuts on a uh, takes on a song and he'd get it. And, He'd sit there for a minute and he'd say, he'd start telling stories. So I've got all, a lot of these I've got recorded, not all of them. Some stories I'll never tell uh, that he's told me, but it's his life in music is just, uh, just tremendous. The people he's played with, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou Soundtracks got Norman featured on the album. He got a Grammy for that. Uh, we got nominated for um, 
Wood, Wire, and Words that was released, I think, in 2016. Uh, good story there. Um, Norman's never been. He's got 10 nominations, I believe. He's never been to the Grammys. He really doesn't care anything uh, about awards. He says, I just like working with the people. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought, well, I'll I'll go. And uh, I'd never been. And so I was going through some difficult times personally during that time, which you, you well know, you kind of went through that with me. Yeah. Um, so uh, I thought, well, I, I don't have anything holding me here. I said, I'm just going to go. So I, I'm getting ready to leave in a couple of weeks. And, and Norman finds out that I'm going. And his manager calls me. He said, hey, Norman wants to talk to you. I said, okay. I said, I'm going to Chattanooga. I'll just stop by there. So I'm, I stopped by there and uh, we're sitting there talking and uh, Norman said, I hear you going to the Grammys. I said, yeah. So he said, well, I've never been. He said, I just like working with the people. And he said, the awards, that's great. They want to give it to you. That's fine. And he said, we've been nominated, you know, into the top five. I said, yeah. I said, I- I'm going. And uh, I said, uh, uh, I wish you'd go. He said, well, I'm, I'm not interested. He said, his line is, that's a little too far past the edge of the yard for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I like love a good that. Dog, you know, <laughs> he said, but I want you to do me a favor while you're out there. Uh, if you don't mind, he said, would you accept, uh, if we were to win, he said, would you accept the award for me? Mm. Now, Andrew, I am a redneck by in my soul from Fife, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to the Grammy Awards. That's one thing, just to go. But for somebody like Norman to ask you to accept the award for him, I, I, well, you don't say no. I mean, I'm not going to say no to the guy. Yeah. I said, well, I'd be, I would be honored. Then I spent the rest of the few weeks before I got there worrying that I'm going to have to get up there and say something, you know? Yeah. So he had me a little list of people to thank just in case. And, so here I am, I'm sitting on the front row at the Grammy Awards and they're scrolling the name down for folk album of the year. And all the names are coming up and there's Norman Blake, Woodwire and Words. And I'm thinking, oh my, I, I could be about to embarrass myself and my family <laughs> <laughs> right here on national television. And uh, so, I mean, Literally, we we didn't win it. Uh, Bella Fleck and Abigail Washburn won it. Uh, and but when they when they announced their name, it was like, "Thank you, Jesus!" And I, oh crap, all at the same time. You know, it was like it was a relief, but it was like, man, I sure would have liked to carry one of those home and uh, put it on the mantle. And the way that works is, and people don't know it, but if you have if you're the engineer on a project like that, and you do. I think it's like 51% or more of the engineering on it. You share in mm. the award with mm-hmm. the, the artist, even though your name's not necessarily on there, you get to bring that bad boy home. You get one too. You know, you get to set that on your, on your mantle too. So it would be cool to have one, but the experience and uh, was incredible just to do that. So, Hey, I'm hoping that's not the last one, you know, hoping to get one someday. And, but if I don't, the just the working with guys like you and and Norman and Randy and Teddy and Jeff and all the other people that are out there that I've worked with that you know I've done hundreds of projects and I find things every so often I say, oh yeah, I remember doing that, you know, 
that I go back and listen to. And I think, man, I could have done that a whole lot better than I. <laughs> I do the same but, thing. You know, I, I don't think I ever get to that 100%. I love it plateau. If I hit 90, I'm good. I think that's a good thing though, because if you did get to that a hundred percent, it would kind of, it wouldn't leave anything left. Yeah. There's know. nothing to strive for. No. After that. Every time I uh, hear one of my songs, uh, every single time I, I hear something, I thought, man, I should have, I should have said this, or I should have played that note like this, or I should have, you know, put a, put this chord in there or something. I, every single time. I mean, I, 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 people probably don't understand, you know, why, why anybody would put that much thought into just listening to a song, but I guess musicians are a different breed, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Um, and being a instrumentalist, you know, I play a lot of different instruments too, and it's, it's all by ear. I can't read a thing and, but I hear, and I know you're the same way. I mean, you know, I can go to a, a worship service at a church and if there be there could be 10 musicians on stage. And if that guitar player is second or third strings out, I'm going to know it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, you just hear it. It's just and it, it'll, <laughs> it, you're there to worship. So you have to kind of tune a lot of that stuff out. But it, it uh, it's it's difficult because we're always striving to get perfect on something. And I'm just. You know, I, I hope I never get there, I guess, is a good way to put it to your point, is if I ever get there, then, you know, everything else will be really disappointing after that. Yeah. I mean, you go back and listen to records, you know, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones even, you know, and even when they had the they had the equipment and the method and they had figured out how to, you know, mix and engineer a project, but they left a lot of mistakes in there and that kind of gives that song a breath. Like it's breathing, you know, it's, it's, it, it's like it, it's real, you know? Um, yeah. We can take pro tools now and make anything perfect. I right. mean, we, we really can as far as meshing it all together. But when you do that, uh, I like what Joe Walt said. It becomes very impersonal. It does. Uh, it's just, no, there's no dynamic there. There's no, it's lost some of its personality to do it like that. In my opinion, you know, depends on the genre, I guess. Yeah. Have you seen that history of the Eagles documentary? I have. Oh, Very good man. Stuff. Is that not something? Yeah. I was fortunate in the seventies to get to see the Eagles live in Tuscaloosa when it was the five piece group right after, uh, I'm sorry. It was in Birmingham, Alabama, right after Timothy Smith, had joined the group. Oh yeah. And so it was him and Walsh, uh, Henley Fry and Felder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, greatest concert I ever saw five piece band. I mean, and that the singing, the harmony was just incredible. And then I got to see them again, uh, a couple of years before, uh, Fry passed away in Birmingham again, uh, when it was the, uh, history of the Eagles tour. Oh, and they were just, it was just, they're just incredible. Uh, my all time favorite uh, band, really. Uh, I'm sorry, Randy, Teddy, and Jeff, <laughs> which I think is theirs too. Uh, Alabama's right in there too. Um, the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, 
and being a drummer, you know, a lot of people look at uh, uh, Ringo Starr as, you know, he's not flashy. He's not John Bonham or Neil Peart or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But he's, I, I promise you, you could take, and I heard somebody else say this, and this is very true. You could take all the music, musicians out of every song the Beatles did and leave Ringo Starr in it. And you could name the song based on his licks that he did in that song. Yeah. You you just, you check that out sometime when you're listening to a Beatles song and like, and, and you'll hear exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's, that's something, uh, because drummers really, I mean, normally are not, you know, even well-known drummers. You couldn't mm-hmm. say that about. No, you know. he's extremely unique in his approach to, to what he does. He has signature licks in those songs that, that you, you can take every other instrument out and just leave him in there. You could name the song. Yeah. Uh, Teddy talked about him and Randy, you know, growing up across the cotton field from each other. And uh, the Beatles was on Ed Sullivan, you know, and they would, they would be out there um, in the cotton fields working and, and saying, Hey, did you learn this new Beatles chord? You know? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I saw your interview, uh, interview with Teddy. That was really good. I like that. I love Teddy, man. He, uh, he's, he's something. He else. is the same dude, no matter where you see him at. I was at his house the other day and he called me and he said, he said, Hey, uh, just go on out there to the house. I got to spread a load of gravel real quick. I'll be right up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's in that video with home free. When I'm talking to Randy about seeing him on the tractor with his shirt off, you know I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, those guys, they're farm boys. They um, are. Yeah. I met Randy, uh, and Kelly, his wife, when they still lived in that little house out there that didn't have a back door on it. Mm-hmm. Just had one door. You had a front door. You went in and out that front door. You, <laughs> there was no back door on that little house. So that's when I'm, I met them years ago. Yeah. Great people. And Fort Payne, I, I've talked about this with several of my guests so far. Of course, none of them except for Teddy is from here, but you are, or you're, you know, close like I am. Yeah. At Fort Payne back in the 80s between the June jams and the sock nails. I mean, mm. it was rocking. Yeah. It was a happening place. It Extremely. Sure was. And it's just like, you know, now I remember when Alabama got back together after that Brad Paisley thing. Uh, and then the tornado, uh, concert that they did. And when was that? 2011, I think 2011. Uh, yeah. I kept thinking, please bring the June Jam back, but didn't happen. There's been talk of it. It's just not not been the right time, not the right circumstance yet. Well, it would be a big. I mean, you know, it would be a big thing. It would be. It would. It would require a lot of people to get on board with it for the right reasons. I think, right. uh, and then the city too. Uh, it, you know, and it's not like it was back then. It's kind of different now, and I think, you know, when you really think about it, it's something that should just be left alone, you know, like leave leave it for history. Don't try to bring it back and make it better, you know. 
Yeah. That kind of thing. We played on that first uh, June Jam. We played on the first two. We played on the one that was called the June Jam that the promoter left with all the money and nobody got paid. I think Teddy told you a little bit about that story. He did. We were there. We were the opening act uh, for them that night. And, uh, oh, man, it was like, it was incredible. They were prob- there was probably, I'm going to say, around 12,000 people there right. in that little stadium. And it was just packed out. And the show was awesome uh, that they did. We had a really good show uh, and had a great time doing it. And, you know, kind of got our name on the map, too. But what's funny is um, when the promoter called me about uh, our band doing that show, um, at that time, Alabama had been gone from here. This was right before, right about the time they released that, the first, uh, that my home's in Alabama. And, um, and I had heard it and I really didn't realize that those guys were from Fort Payne. And so, uh, he calls me and he says, Hey, I want you guys to open up for, uh, Alabama. We're going to do a June jam at the football field. And I said, I said, who's Alabama? He said, <laughs> he said, well, they, they're from Fort Payne. I said, no, they're not. And he said, yeah, they're from Fort Payne. Uh, he said, they used to be called wild country. Oh yes. I know who that is. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know they were still together, you know, and that was, you know, before the internet and all you had was radio and, uh, and before Al Gore invented the internet, it was, uh, all we had was radio. So yeah. anyway, we, we did that show and never got paid for mm, it. Man. That would have been a good payday too for twelve thousand people. I mean, well, yeah, I was hoping we had a, we had a price figure set with the guy, but we never saw anything. Mm. <laughs> but the exposure was, uh, you know, priceless. Yeah. Uh, what are you working on? What are you working on now? Anything that anybody um, be interested in? Uh, it's. I tell you what, what's I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. I've been working on a few small projects, uh, for local groups here. Um, but I, I think I told you about the Leon Russell. Oh yes. Uh, you played me some Blades. of that. Yeah. That started, um, I actually, I finished it about a year and a half ago, awesome. uh, but that started when I came back from the Grammys and I stopped in at uh, Scott O'Malley's in, um, uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. That's uh, Blake's manager. And I'll show you one of the boxes here in a minute. It's really cool. Uh, or the track sheet out of it, but, um, I'm walking through his uh, warehouse and I look and there's, there are these boxes over on the wall and they look like big extra large two inch tape reels in the, you know, the boxes that they came in. Well, um, I asked Scott, I said, what is that? And he said, well, he said, that's, uh, uh, that's some old video from Telluride. And I think I'm thinking about, I, I don't think that's, it could be, but it, I don't think so. So I walked over, I said, you mind if I take one out of the rack and open it? And he said, no, go ahead. And so I opened it up and immediately I saw the number on the reel and I said, this is audio. And I said, has anybody ever done anything with this? And he said, uh, well, no. Um, I said, well, whatever you do, don't let anybody play this unless they restore it first. Mm-hmm. 
And he said, okay, uh, do you know how to do that? And I said, oh, yes, with a big smile on my face. Oh, do yes, I know I how to do that? <laughs> you have come to the right place. Uh, yes. I just happen to know how to do that. And he said, well, what would you charge me? And I said, not, not a dime unless something comes out of it. Yeah. So he said, I'll ship it to you. So he shipped it to me, and it sat here for a while. And uh, I finally got on it, and you have to bake old real real tapes like this because these are like early 80s probably late 70 tapes and you bake them in a convection oven uh, on the reel you just open the box set the reel in the oven and you bake them like at around 120 degrees in a convection oven a conventional oven will not do it so don't 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 try this at home uh, the conventional oven will not work it has to be in a convection oven and so you have to bake these reels for like eight or so hours a piece to get the tape to re-adhere to the metal backing on it. So when you do that, then you put it uh, on the two-inch tape machine, which we have a studer here, uh, and you transfer it into digital so that you can manipulate it. Well, I did that, and man, I started playing those things, and I opened the last box, and I'll see if I can find the track sheet on that thing and get it where you can see it, but yeah. I opened the last box and found the track sheet and on track 19 was John Hartford. Mm. So you've got Leon Russell and the New Grass Revival playing a live two-and-a-half-hour concert at Telluride in 1981 before there was Pro Tools when they just had to put the tape machines in a big truck and get them out there, you know? Yeah. And uh, the only time John Hartford, to my knowledge and to Sam Bush's knowledge, ever appeared uh, with Leon Russell is on this project. Wow. Uh, so anyway, I, I'm, I got it all mixed and it's like a double album, uh, and got in touch with uh, Leon's people. Leon had passed away. Uh, and they are working on uh, a documentary for that. Uh, and this is going to be the centerpiece of that. And the last word I got would be sometime late this year that they're going to release that. And so I'm right. Like, cloud nine on this thing. So for a while I was the only guy that had heard this since 1981. Mm. And it's just incredible because you got Sam Bush, John Cowan, Leon Russell, and John Hartford. And let me see if I can dig out um, yeah. the track sheet. And what's cool is it is the, uh, the track sheet, the other the sheet that's attached to it is a hand-drawn stage plot. <laughs> it's really cool. Hang on a second. Yeah. I'm looking. It'll probably be in the last one. Yeah, probably so. And we got the good look at the little uh, California raisins up there. Yeah. So here's the um, here's the track sheet. Let me get that where you can see it. Man, you see John Hartford down there on track nineteen. So then there's a hand drawn stage plot. 
which is, you know, now we do everything by computer. Oh yeah. So there's a hand-drawn stage plot for the, the project, but these were incredible. So you got, um, so I went to meet with Sam Bush when he came to Chattanooga to tell him about it and to get him to fill in a few of the blanks for me because, uh, and somewhere there's a video for this because on track one, there's a this video sync on it, but mm. you got somebody by the name playing harp named nicknamed Juke, J-U-K-E. So I found out what that guy's name was. And I've got these in my notes somewhere. Uh, Sam Bush, vocals and mandolin and guitar and Leon uh, on vocal and piano, John Cowan, bass guitar. Um, and then down there is, is Hartford on track 19. So it was like just an incredible find. Yeah. And, and I know why they didn't do anything with it. Cause the first song, first three or four songs on it, just a train wreck. Uh, they had, uh, mic problems. They had a bad chord on the bass and they plugged it in and unplugged it and it just exploded, you know, and before automation, there's just nothing that you can do with some of this stuff. So anyway, it was a, it was a love, love and a blessing. And, uh, I hated it all at the same time. At some points it was got, it just became such a part of what I was doing that I had to walk away from it for a yeah. while. Cause you've got all that audio and you've got two or three engineers messing with it besides what I'm trying to do with it. And it, it, it was a push pull for a while and I had to walk away from it a few times and then come back to it. And, but it turned out awesome. And, uh, uh, Bill Siddons, who was the uh, manager for Jim Morrison and the doors, he is over that estate and he has that now. And, uh, he just, he's giddy about it. So wow. we'll see what happens. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. That's something to look forward to right there. I mean, it, you, it's, it's kind of rare to come up on something like that, especially, yeah. I mean, just, uh, it, it's kind of like a part of you knew you. You were so curious when you saw that at his yeah. house. Part of you knew, like, you care if I, I mean, who says that? You care if I go over and open it? Well, it was, in, it was <laughs> in the warehouse, and it was like, I was 30 feet away from it. Yeah. And I just happened to notice that it was a, bo a box of tapes, a group of tapes there. And uh, But the other thing I'm really excited about is this Alabama archive. Uh, oh, yeah. That I've been working on. And then um, I'm now mixing um, – and finishing up some background vocals on uh, Jeff's project for uh, his release for his stuff that's never been released before uh, that he's planning on re-releasing at some point. I, I can't say re-releasing, just releasing. They've never been released. Right. But it's AGB uh, stuff? Yeah. Or just it, is it Jeff Cook and the AGB? All-Star Good Time? No, this is, uh, no, this is Alabama. Oh, okay. This, you know, you go in the studio and do a project and you do, you know, 18 songs. And Overcut. Throw yeah. Out yeah. So these were the ones that they just didn't release that Jeff did, but they're still high quality recordings uh, and picking and just incredible music on here. Wow. Uh, good singing. A lot of good stuff on there. So they're like RCA masters. Yes, that's correct. About that, I've got, I've got the uh, two inch machine, two inch uh, uh, reels, the master copies here. So I just, I did the same thing with them. I baked them, uh, then transferred them over into digital so that you can manipulate them. Technology, 
technology saved my butt a few times. <laughs> yeah, as long as you hit the save button. Well, right. And then, but you know, used to when we had the old uh, Neve console, if you're doing a mix down here, there was no automation. So if you yeah. needed to mute a bunch of parts, you had to go upstairs and get the secretary to come down and, you know, get the UPS guy to come in and help you. Hey, hey, hey you got just a minute. And, you know, when we say let go, let go. <laughs> so that in the good old days, no automation, you know, and of course, you know, it separates the men from the boys when you're tracking uh, and you have to get your part right. Oh yeah. yeah. There's no, there's no just, Hey, let's just, you know, let's just copy and paste that. You just don't, you can do that now, but then you didn't do that. Right. And there at that studio, there's so much cool stuff, you know, on the walls and just oh, yeah. sitting around and, but there's a room in there that Jeff has a ton of guitars. <clears throat> Think about like a library you know, yeah. with books, yeah. but it's guitars. Yeah. It's amazing. Cool. Amazing. Yeah, I'm, uh, he, you know, and we can just walk up there and get any one of them. We want to at any time. And I think we did that on, on your project too. Yeah. Uh, we just, we would try out different guitars and, uh, work on that. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. We've got, um, a C seven Yamaha grand here. That's been, midi, I love that. So one. you can actually play through that thing. And it's kind of a, the, C7s are notoriously bright sounding mm -hmm. and Steinways are real dark sounding. And the way, where we've got this positioned in the room, it's like right in the middle of those two. Mm -hmm. And that thing sounds so sweet. We've got a old Hammond B3 organ in here. Uh, we've got an old uh, set of Gretsch drums with a black beauty snare sitting on it. And uh, it's, uh, it's really cool. Um, We've got uh, a lot of Jeff's amps are in here. Um, great microphones. We've got a series three of uh, the series back in the seventies of the U eighty seven Neumann mic or Newman as people call it uh, German microphone. That's just I think that uh, I believe it that that microphone in the sixty seven before it is responsible for somewhere around 80% of all the hit songs that's ever been recorded vocally. They're mm. responsible for the vocal on those songs. So we've got those, we've got some kind of really different kind of microphones here too. That's uh, got a Studer microphone on a hi hat that I've never even, I didn't know Studer ever made in a microphone, you know, but I've ne never heard anything that sounded better on, my, on a hi hat than that microphone. So we, we got a lot of cool things here and, um, I need to clean the place up. I'm, I'm getting kind of COVID junky. <laughs> yeah. It happens fast. I mean, you yeah, got that much stuff in there. I mean, it happens fast. Can you tell yeah. that story about when he got the, Le was it the Leslie for the B3 or was it the B3? Oh no, it's the B3 altogether. So, okay. um, That's funny. I had a session scheduled and we did not have a B3 here. Well, the artist definitely had to have a B3. So I called uh, one of the local uh, rental places in, in Gadsden, Alabama, and said, hey, you got a B3? Yeah, yeah, we got one for rent. And I said, well, I need that thing, and I need it here at this time. And so they show up, and they pack that thing, unpack it, and load it in the back here and get it all set up. And it's beat all the smithereens. I mean, I don't care as long as it works. You know, mm -hmm. you're not going to see it on the record. You're just going to hear it. 
So they're unpacking that thing. They get it all hooked up and they go to start the thing up. Doesn't work. He works on it for a minute. Doesn't work. Can't get it going. I mean, I've got, I mean, I promised the artist that we would have this. So uh, the, he, the guy picks up the phone. He said, Hey, he said, is that other B3 down there? Is, is it, is it back from the church down the road down there? And, and uh, he said, no, he said, but they told us to come get it. They were not going to buy it. He said, well, go pick it up and get it up here as soon as you can. So we got to have it within the next hour and a half. So in about an hour and 20 minutes, this other B3 shows up and they unload this thing off the truck and it's like pristine. It's like it's been sitting in somebody's living room its entire life and may have been and had never been out of. I mean, it's just like gold. I mean, it's even got Hammond on the side of it, you know, and everything. I mean, it's just it's beautiful. He gets it in here and he plugs that thing up and man, it just sounded like a million dollars. It's on your record. Billy E played it on your record. Yeah. And, and I thought, Oh boy, this is great. So we finished the session and uh, I called the guy and he said, well, he said, I need to probably pick that up sometime next week. I said, well, you got a buyer for it. And he said, no, I said, well, Jeff's on tour right now. I said, but if you'll let that thing hang here for a little bit, uh, I, I'll get him to play it and see if he's interested. Jeff comes in off the road. He comes in, he plays it. He loves it. And he said, how much are they wanting for it? I tell him, he said, that's a little high, don't you think? I said, yeah, but there's probably some room there. So he said, well, see what you can get them down to. So I call the guy and he said, well, here's what I'll do. I call Jeff. Just, I don't know. And it's back and forth and back and forth. And I'm thinking I'm fixing to lose this thing. So we get down to within a thousand dollars of each other. And I'm thinking Jeff's not going to go there. And I called Jeff. He said, no, I don't. I, I, he said, if they'll just come on down it. And I call that guy back and he, no, I can't do that. And I, I called Jeff back and I said, Jeff, I said, tell you what, I'm thinking that we're not going to be able to get these guys down there. I said, but if you won't budge that other thousand dollars, I said, I'll pay the thousand dollars. I just don't want to lose it. And he just busted out laughing. He said, you do. He said, he said, you'd do that. Wouldn't you? And I said, Oh yeah. He said, we need it that bad. I said, well, it's not that we need it. It's just, you may never find another one that's good. I mean, it even had the, the, on the, um, assignment bars on the left side, it even had the original lettering and everything. Wow. You just don't see that. No, <laughs> he, he laughed and he said, you, you would pay that. And I said, I sure would. He said, well, I'll tell you what he said. Can we make money on it if we sold it tomorrow? I said, I think so. Pretty sure we could. He said, well, I'll just buy it then. And I said, thank God. You know, I thought we were fixing to lose that thing. <laughs> and so we got it and we've had it ever since. I think that was probably in the 90s sometime back in there. But, uh, oh, and the other story with Cookie. And you, this I think I've told you this one about the drums. Have I ever told you the one about the drums? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... So I am not here and Jeff knows nothing about drums. He is a guitar player. He knows nothing about drums. So I'm, I am uh, not here and I get a phone call and it's Jeff. And he says, uh, he, Hey, I got this guy that wants to trade us two sets of drums for that old junkie set we got down there in the studio. And I said, what's he got? And he said, Oh, and he told me, and I said, Oh, you got to be kidding. I said, Je I said, Jeff, I said, your snare drum, just the snare drum 
is worth more than that entire set of <laughs> junk that he's got. Just the snare drum. And there was a long pause, and he said, oh, I'm glad I called you. And I said, not half as glad as I am, and I'd have come in there Monday, and those drums had not been there, and that, that piece of junk that he's trying to say you'd been there. I would have had to have years of counseling to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, never again did he worry about drums. If there was ever a question, I got a phone call about drums. So <laughs> that's man. that story. They came really close to losing those things. I bought those for the studio over Metro Music in Atlanta. Huh. Uh, they're an old early eighties, uh, kit Gretsch within that black beauty snare. We acquired it, uh, later on down the road, but that thing, they sound great. They do sound great. And that's just a testament to Jeff, you know, uh, yeah. And, and another thing about him, man, if he takes you out to lunch, I mean, he'll talk a little while and then he gets up and you think he's at the bathroom. He's up at the, at the uh at the cash register paying the ticket and he walks outside yeah yeah he doesn't, he doesn't really say y'all ready <laughs> it just cracks he, me up every he's time he's done he's done you know he's and everybody's done. like looking around <laughs> where's jim oh he's at the car <laughs> one of a kind that's what teddy said about him one of a kind no, oh, he's one of a kind. All right. Extremely talented. Yeah. You, you one of a kind too, though. Oh, well, they broke the mold when they made me. That's just, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what, what that amounts to. I appreciate the compliment, but you know, that mold must have yeah. been molded pretty bad. Oh, I wonder if we're going to get snowed in or iced in. Well, I'm, I'm, it's, um, I think it's what eight o'clock. I don't think it's really supposed to be in here until about nine thirty or ten o'clock. If it hit, hits us, I think we're just on the outside edge of it. So maybe, maybe we'll be fine. Well, wherever where you're at, there would be a great place <laughs> to get trapped in, unless the power went off, and then oh, you're screwed. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it is so dark in here. Yeah, it is. There's Light candles no ain't gonna do no good. <laughs> it ain't gonna do you no, no good. No. No, it's way too dark in here. Uh, uh, you know, I could grab this uh, camera because we're wireless. Yeah. Uh, and kind of just show y'all through. Yeah. People would love to see that. It. I mean, I mean, we, first of all, we work here. So <laughs> it, it's, uh, there's been sessions going on. Right. So let me see about uh, kind of yeah. getting all this together here. Yeah. This studio is is a piece of history. It is. I'm not messing you up too much, Emma. No. Oh, we stay we stay messed up on picking it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a the music well, stand. Uh, we've got the uh, little controller there, and I like to show this. This is. Uh, Oh, that's one of them's laying down. What happened? Yeah, that's, that's what happens when you, uh, when play you rock, music. That's when you rock too hard. Yeah, yeah. Got some old tape machines. Uh, got a uh, PR99 right there. That's nice. 
Yeah, let's scroll back over here. Here is your mm-hmm. two-inch Studer machine, uh, eight eight twenty-seven multi-channel. And Prince's guy came in to work on that. Is that right? Do I have that right? Well, he, he is. Uh, yeah, he he worked. He refurbished Prince's studio uh, years ago. Great, a lot of great stories right there. His name is uh, Kevin Nemo. He's in mm-hmm. Nashville. He's done everybody's studio, Bachman Turner Overdrive, Cheryl Crow. He's the go-to guy. So we walk through the hallway here, and you come up to the drums um, in the open room here. Oh, yeah. Feels like calm seeing all that. Yeah, I've got, um, I think there's 10 microphones on those. We've got the old Sennheiser 421s there. And there's that uh, Studer mic, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. And the Black Beauty snare under mm-hmm. there. That's uh, what Cookie was going to sell. That, thing, that, <laughs> is a, of drums. that is a fat we got, snare. We actually too. have enough. Uh, we've got enough extra drums around here for another set of drums. We've got a different <laughs> kick drum, but these this sounds the best. Um, yeah. Got some of Jeff's uh, amp. This was the... Uh, part of the stinger series that he made he actually built amps for a while got old vegas 400 sitting here got you an old music man Mm -hmm. sitting there i'm trying to figure out how to work this camera if you go one way and it goes the other (laughs) Uh, a digital yamaha got an old lee jackson dean markley a little old bitty piece of something right here (laughs) prime uh, over here in the uh, effects cabinet, can't really see it that great, but we've got a uh, Tom Schultz Rockman. Here's your Dean Markley 12-string. That's great if you like to play Hotel California. Oh, yeah. Got the old uh, jazz bass custom in Jeff's favorite color. Green, yep. Mint, mint neon green. Crazy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right, here's something. Oh, yeah. This I'm... is your dual showman fender. With, and we have used that a lot. Uh, yeah, I've used I mean, it. you're automatically Brad Paisley when you plug into that thing. It'll honk. Yeah. Well, uh, another Music Man 100B. Mm-hmm. Right there. And a collection of... Uh, different keyboards here I'll show you back into the vocal this is the vocal booth with a u87 in there and give you a shot into the acoustic room right there and let's see here is the uh the hammond b3 mm. just a Beautiful little instrument right there now. Yeah, it is. I would open the top, but I've got my hands full. <laughs> got a laptop in one oh, hand yeah. and uh, my a uh, camera in the other. So we have uh, the old Furman headphone system. Uh, here's your uh, U47. 
Sweet. Yeah. In. And a bed. Oh, no, a piano. Yeah, the C7 Grand. That thing sounds gorgeous. I've played that a bunch of times. Yeah, that's a sweet, sweet little instrument right there. But, man, I got to get you back out of here, brother. And that blanket. Matter of fact, I've got a, I got a song I need you to demo. And that blanket right there, tell them why you put that blanket on top of that piano. To keep it warm. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold outside. <laughs> now that just uh, that keeps a little bit of the uh, ambient noise from from jumping in there. Uh, I got that at Walmart. Just for, in case you want to know, it's an ad for Walmart right there. I'm so, so glad you uh, said looking that. Back into the <laughs> to the control room there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Andrew. That was just there. I had to use it. I'm so know? glad that you did. Really, <laughs> you took that. I mean, that was that's that's what that's what we do I ran, here. I ran with it. Yeah, I ran with it. But uh, that's the uh, that's the room, y'all. Got your uh, vocal booth back over there in the back, and. Uh, got your drum room, vocal booth and drum, or not drum room, but it used to be the drum room. We moved the drums out of there and use it for an acoustic guitar room. Really? Now, so, yeah, we used to have them in there, and huh. they were just, they did not get enough breath yeah. that way. So, and if y'all want to do any demo work or, or cut a record or whatever, Call up Cook Sound Studios, talk to David, and yep. come up there, and you you won't be sorry. The whole the whole you know the whole experience of being there, especially if you've never been and you ain't from Alabama or anything like that, you just want to come and do it. The whole experience you'll you'll fall in love with the whole experience of that place, and you know in them walls, I mean, you can really feel the energy in that studio. I always have. Yeah. It's very cool. Very cool room. Well, brother, it's good yeah, to see you. I've got all kinds of stories. We could stay here all night. Well, tell some. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Let me see if I can part you out here with one last story. Well, give us a little parting story. A parting story. Hmm. Uh, what's a good parting story? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to draw a blank. Um. Okay, I'll tell you about the first time Norman ever heard Elvis Presley. Oh, okay. And they did not even, and I've got this one recorded. Mm. So Blake is coming in off the road uh, with cash. And I said, let me back that up. They're on the road and they're coming into it to a studio somewhere. Either they're going to record or they're doing an interview. And I can't remember exactly which, but either way. So this young engineer runs in uh, while they're on break with this reel of tape. It's and he says, "Man, said you guys have got to hear this." So this guy, his name's this is his first single. His name's Elvis Presley. They're just about to release it. He said it's incredible. Norman would tell you. He said I was always hot tempered and quick to have an opinion, and it was usually wrong. He said, so they put this thing on here and they start playing it. And he said, I'm just shaking my head. He said, and it gets to the end of it. 
and they turn it off and Norman says, and I quote, Norman says, that's the sorriest shit I have ever heard. This kid will not sell a record. <laughs> and then he laughed and he said, he said, of course, I've gone on to sell my hundreds of records and he's gone on to sell his millions of records. And, but he went on to elaborate about that. He said what it was, he said, everybody in the room thought it was bad, but what it was, it was so different that we thought it was bad. He said, but obviously the American public and the public, the world public wanted to hear this guy because he just went crazy after that. I mean, it was just wide open selling records. He said he was so unique that we thought he was bad. Everybody in the room thought he was bad, but he said, obviously he was not. He said, obviously I was wrong. <laughs> so that's, that's Blake's story, oh. which I have recorded, uh, in the archives here, uh, that he told right after he finished playing the song, he was still out there and he, he said, would you like to hear my story about the first time I ever heard Elvis Presley? And I said, sure. So I just hit record real quick and just let it go. Yeah. Norman's uh, a great guy. I've been forcing, I've been able to work with Shatner, William Shatner, um, uh, I opened up for uh, Bob Hope when I was 19 years old in the wow. Phoenix Symphony out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Hmm. And everybody that you can think of in country music back in the 80s, uh, from Loretta Lynn to Tom T. Hall to great people. I mean, Loretta Lynn was just the, like your best aunt, you know? Yeah. The sweetest lady ever. Um, Oak Ridge Boys. Um, Love those guys. Goodness, I, I can I can just go on. Uh, we I've been fortunate to be able to do what I do, and very thankful and blessed. And as my dad would say, God looks after drunks and fools. And since I don't drink, that only leaves me one category. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did, you, did you get to meet Bob Hope? I did. Yeah, very nice guy. Very short. Really. Uh, yeah, I talked to him backstage and, and uh, got his autograph. Oh, and, cool. Uh, you know, I was like a fan. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, very, very cool dude. Um, the symphony was great. I had my drums out there and the drummer for the symphony, he was a little bit lazy. He didn't want to set his drums up. He said, do you mind if I just borrow yours? I said, I don't care. And so they used my drums. He did for what they did with Bob Hope. But I used to always think that Hope, you know, when he would give a monologue, his mechanism was he would he would tell the joke and then he would look he would look at the camera, tell the joke, and then he would look off to the side. Yeah. I thought he was reading cue cards, but he was he was allowing a response from, from the audience. audience. Yeah. He was very calculating and, and uh very very good at what he did. But uh, I mean talking about an, an icon, this is way past just a star. But yeah. Bob Hope is a, a legend and an icon to start out like he did. And I think, I think it was vaudeville and radio and then work his way into television. And he's actually quite short. You know, you think of him as being a real tall guy, but he was shorter than me. And I'm like five ten, five mm. nine, five ten. So I think he was probably like five eight, five seven, somewhere right in there. Short guy. Yeah. There, Very personable. There is an art to being a comedian that I didn't realize until a few years ago, I was, uh, uh, Larry, the cable guy is a friend of mine and he was doing a tour with RFD TV. It was him and, and Foxworthy. 
So I came to uh, Kentucky somewhere, or Lexington, I think. And he introduced me to Foxworthy, and we were talking, and just me and him. And, you know, here's this guy that's so, uh, he's, he's, he's real, but he's real deep, like he's a deep thinker. You know, he's not really cracking jokes or anything. Uh, and then he goes out on stage, and there's probably 30,000 people out there because it was in the basketball arena. And he is just like, you can tell he's setting up his jokes, and he will push it. You know, if he don't get the response, he'll push it a little further, like he's got mm. backups to get that, you know, gotcha response from the yeah. audience. Yeah. It's amazing watching that from that angle, you know? Yeah, that's an art form. It really is. For sure. To know how to gauge your audience like that. And uh, I know we used to play in clubs. You learn that kind of thing, too, is uh, you start reading your audience. And if these songs aren't working, you know, you got enough in your repertoire that you can. Yeah change and, and increase their mood uh you kind of get a feel for hey this is not working let's change and let's go this other direction yeah, yeah those uh, comedians incredible they really are and yeah. you know rodney dangerfield i always loved him but he's kind of like that like he, he you know he would he would say a lot of the same routines you know bill cosby would do that too but he would be i've, I've seen several things of his where he would say it in a little bit of a different way, kind of put a different twist on it, kind mm -hmm. of cater to the audience he's at a little more. You mm -hmm. know, uh, it's just genius what they do. And the timing, it's all about that that timing, you know. Yeah, I like to go back and watch uh, Red Skelton. Oh, my granddad liked Red Skelton. Yeah, clean, clean humor. Uh, Victor Borga uh, was an excellent pianist, but his his humor incredible uh i mean some of that stuff is just it's timeless yeah uh, true, true art form for sure well what's going on with andrew pope these days musically uh not much really i write here and there but i've been you know doing this and just trying to get something something going i can't really talk about this or who it is but well, I was supposed to be working on something this year originally, but now since all the COVID stuff, I don't know if that's going to be put on hold or what, but that would be good if I could get that going. And I also thought about doing like an acoustic album just here at the house. Mm -hmm. um, some little qu quarantine silly songs I wrote. I thought about just doing that, but I don't know, man. It's, you know, I don't I know. I got a song I need to pitch you. Well, let's hear I'll, I'll uh we'll yeah we'll, we'll get uh, off when we when we get done here well I'm, I'm i don't have my guitar with me and i don't even have the words to it but i've got to thinking about it and yeah i'll call you back when we yeah. finish this up it's uh, a lot of what's going on now that i actually wrote with a guy a friend of mine uh, well actually my cousin about 15 18 years ago but it applies to what's happening in the world now yeah and, i'd like uh, to hear it all of the issues but i will uh yeah i'll bounce that off of you and uh, see if i can get you a decent demo on it because yeah. i don't think i have one anywhere yeah i'd like to hear it well good to see you man 
Good, Good to, to talk you, to brother. you. Been a while. Yeah. Um, I had a lady call me the other day, wants to get a, a male vocalist in here to demo some of her songs. So I'm going to be calling you. Call me. Yep. She <laughs> needs a guitar playing rhythm guy and vocalist, and that would be you. Mm, male know. country. I don't know if I can do the rhythm part as good as some, but I can fake it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got Pro Tools, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, we can make it work. Great to see you, brother. You too, man. And appreciate y'all watching and picking it out. And we'll see you next time. Later, dudes. Dudettes. <laughs>